This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason. Full-time investor, strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate, where real people are doing real estate. Hey everybody, it's Danielle Chase on here with the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. I am with Adrienne. Adrienne. <laughs> I'm going to start that again. That sounded like a girl. Sorry, Adrienne. Okay. Hey everybody, it's Danielle Chase on here with the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. I'm here today with Adrienne Pinonzo and and so happy to have you here, fellow Hamilton real estate investor. Woo, woo. Hey Adrienne, how's it going? I'm awesome, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to have you on because you invest in uh, my neck of the woods where I was doing my flips and uh, super excited to hear what's going on in that world today. Um, I just want to thank you, by the way, for being here today. You have a phenomenal story to share and I'm excited to share it with the audience um, because as you know, this is the Let's Get Real podcast, real estate podcast, and I am all about showcasing real people doing real estate. So Adrian, for those of you who don't know you, tell them a little bit about who Adrian Pinozo is. Yeah, for sure. So um, I personally started investing in real estate. I can give you a bit of a quick background about myself, but um about 11 years ago, I was a police officer at the time. Um, and in, I was thinking about long-term vision for myself. And uh, while I was a police officer, 10 years in the job, I started to buy real estate. And I thought to myself, well, after I put in my 30 years on the police department, you know, what am I going to do when I retire and how am I going to be able to live the same lifestyle, even though I'm on a pension and obviously a reduced income. And I thought, well, one of the greatest, one of the greatest, in my opinion, uh, safest place to put your money and to invest is real estate. So at that time, uh, 11 years ago, so 20, 2011, give or take, um, we didn't have any money in the bank, but we had equity in our home. And um, we pulled the equity out of our home. So I want to say we started with a $200,000 line of credit, home equity line of credit. And again, mindset was, you know, let's buy one, maybe two small little rental properties, like maybe a duplex or a triplex, something like that, create some cash flow. And then ultimately, you know, after my 30 years on the job, I'm going to be able to live the same lifestyle because I have some income coming in above and beyond my pension from the cash flow. So that's exactly what we did. And uh, my first property I bought using this home equity line of credit as for the down payment. And uh, it's a small little duplex. I still own it um, in York region, uh, close to where I live. And things went well. It was, um, we did some minor, minor, minor touch-ups and stuff like that when we bought it, put, tended the property right away. Um, and then it's like, okay, things are going well. Well, let's buy another one. And um, we bought the second property was a triplex in Hamilton. Um, again, in 2011-ish and still have that one. And uh, things went well. So, I'll fast forward a bit. 
Um, we ended up buying three multifamily homes um, using this home equity line of credit, which really accelerated um, my career in, in obviously investments. All the while, I was still a police officer, my wife working full time, raising a family, so on and so forth. Um, so after the third one and being in that space and becoming very comfortable in that space, we started a joint venture. And that's when things um, really started to take off for us. So how did you know what to do? Because a police officer is not in the real estate space. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that, you know, have jobs and they go about their daily business, but they're not in the real estate realm. So like for somebody starting out, how would you know, well, number one to do, do, you know, maybe buy into a duplex instead of a single family home, uh, where to buy, do the numbers make sense, all of that stuff. So how did you know what and where and how? Um, Good question. I really didn't. I, a uh, bit of a risk taker. Um, maybe, you know, my old career as police officer kind of helped me in that regard. Um, uh, but a bit of a risk taker. I didn't really know what I was doing other than, you know, uh, listening to the mortgage broker at the time who was also an investor himself and, you know, running numbers with him a uh, little bit, uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty savvy, but I didn't have any experience. And it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, okay, this, this makes sense. I'm either going to pull the trigger and do this, or I'm going to sit on the fence for the rest of my life and just be happy with my, my decent income. You know, when I was a police officer, we made pretty good money, pension benefits, or I'm going to, you know, take this leap of faith and take action. And I took action and, uh, you know, never look back, obviously now, but to answer your question, I really didn't know what I was doing. It was kind of reading podcasts, information from my mortgage broker and, and on and on and on. And then it's kind of like, okay, well, take action, do it. And I did it. And I'm so, so grateful because it completely 11 years ago, pulling the trigger on that first one to where we are today completely changed my life, obviously in a, in a positive way. So we'll talk about where you are today in a minute, because I want to show everyone kind of how that kind of launched you into the real estate world, tapping into your HELOC. Cause I think a lot of people out there are in the same position as you are, where they have a great career and they have a home because that's the story that we're told is get a career, buy a home, build your family and that, you know, pay your house down so that in retirement, um, you don't have a mortgage and then you can live off of your pension, but that story just isn't jiving anymore for, uh, for people, especially in retirement and we're living longer so that, you know, having your own home and that pension just doesn't last as long as, uh, as we do anymore. So I love your story of breaking free of that, um, you know, that, that storyline that we're told to follow. So today, now today you were 21 years on the police force. Now you're uh, retired from the police force. You retired early after 21. Now you retired at the age of 43, right? It was 43. Correct. Yeah. 
So like to be able to retire at 43, leave your job by choice and then go, hmm, I'm bored. 43 is too young to be sitting at home doing nothing. And uh, just went into real estate full time and completely exploded your real estate business. So I do want to hear more about that. But again, I just think it's amazing and inspiring how you were able to leverage other people's money, meaning the banks, to start your real estate career. And by the way, I think the reason why I asked you, um, how did you know what to buy is because I don't think I've spoken to any real estate investor that ever really truly knew what they were doing when they bought their first property. So, you know, I think, uh, I think there's also a misconception. Would you say that you need to know everything before you get into it? And it has to be the perfect one. It has to, the numbers have to make perfect sense and it has to, you know, and, and I think what happens, a lot of people miss the boat, miss the opportunity. Yeah, I don't think there's ever, especially as a novice investor starting out your first or second deal, I don't think there's ever a situation where it's going to be perfect. It's never perfect. Um, and if I was waiting for that perfect situation, I would have never pulled the trigger 11 years ago and, and obviously uh, not be where I am today. So no, it's never, you're never going to get a perfect scenario. Probably there's probably never a perfect scenario right now, even that I have 11 years experience. Um, but obviously you do the best you can and the best due diligence you can. And then, you know, if everything adds up as best as you can, then you have to take action or you'll always find a reason to say, well, I just don't, I don't know about that or this or that. You'll say that forever. And you know, you'll be on the fence and your lifestyle most likely won't change because you'll always find a reason not to pull the trigger. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And I also love how you leaned on, even though you didn't have all the answers, but you leaned on the people around you. So, you know, the mortgage broker who was also invested, which I think is really important. Um, you have to have people around you who understand the game a little bit, help guide you so that you can make an informed decision. At least you have to do that. Um, yeah. So let's talk about today, what you're doing today, because now, so you were doing, uh, I, I, I want to say flipping, it's not flipping, it's the birth strategy where you buy, mm -hmm. uh, renovate, ref, rent and refi, um, and then you're holding them, just adding and building your portfolio after you bought your first three. But now you were doing the small multis, like one to four residential properties, and now you've gone and now you're doing it in apartment buildings. And um, I guess, you know, it's the same game, just a little bit bigger. So tell me about that. Yeah, so things took off for us um, when I left the police department in 2017, like you mentioned. So I completed 21 years of service and was able to financially leave. After 21 years, obviously not on a full pension, not completing, you know, the 30 years that everybody typically does. And that's when things took off for us because I really focused on just being a full-time investor and turning it into a business. And we honed the Burr strategy to buy, renovate, refinance, rent, repeat. We really honed that. And part of the um, mindset I had was, you know what? We're doing this on such a high level, so many projects a year. Why am I outsourcing all of this construction on our projects? So the light bulb went off and it's like, why don't we just have an in-house construction company? So we're not going on Kijiji, you know, hiring these fly-by-night people who everybody's got a bad story about, you know, being taken for a ride by a contractor. 
typically. Let's keep it in-house. So we started our own construction company that facilitates all of our renovations in joint that we joint venture partner with our like-minded investors. And lastly, we started our own uh, property management company that services um, all these properties and all these tenants um, again, in-house. And, and again, I thought, let's make it like a Costco. You come in the door, obviously we're investors, 11 years investing experience. Um, now I have my real estate license so I can transact um, in-house construction, in-house property management, and on and on. So like a Costco effect where it's all under one roof. We're now scaled our... Um, our portfolio, we have 69 multifamily properties, uh, about 371 doors is where we're at in 11 years of real estate investing. And yes, a lot of our joint venture partners now are interested in getting into the apartment buildings. And we're incorporating the Burr strategy in that space. We just closed um, at the end of 2021 a 45-unit purpose-built uh, apartment building on the Hamilton Mountain that we're working on now, utilizing the Burr. And again, it's all about the numbers, right? Whether you're doing a fourplex or a 45-unit building, um, if you have the confidence and the knowledge and, you know, I guess peace of mind to do a good job with running the numbers, it's that that's that's our expertise, sort of speak, just given the amount of properties we've purchased and owned and whatnot. We're really, really sharp on 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 our, um, I guess, numbers with respect to the exit, because as we know, the part the reason we're doing these burrs is we want to extract most, if not all of the money we've injected into this project, our down payment, our construction costs, carrying costs, closing costs. We want to get as much of that out as possible. So if you're going to leave in a ton of money, then you probably should just buy the property turnkey and forget about, you know, forego doing all these renovations. But we're looking for properties that obviously are distressed and there's value add. And again, the exit more often or pretty much 99% of the time uh, for our for our company and us is very, very fruitful as we leave very little to no money in the deal. Now, I want to talk about that because I did flips in uh, Embers in Hamilton for about five years. And I'm very curious to hear, like, there's a lot of chatter now where you can't do 100% burrs anymore in the Hamilton market. And you're saying that you still do. So what is it when you're running the numbers, what is it that you need to know or what is important when you're analyzing the numbers to know that it's a burst strategy? Well, Danielle, I think it really comes with experience, right? It, it's hard. Obviously, every deal has its own set of numbers. You know, every deal is different from the last deal and whatnot. Um, Knowing, obviously, on the residential platform, uh, things that are important are um, obviously comparable sales that have happened with the same quality of uh, renovations, so on and so on. And then, you know, on a residential platform, square footage is important. Um, 
as well in that triplex or duplex or fourplex, whatever it is. Um, we built a very strong relationship with um, uh, the primary lender that we use, and those relationships help um, help you navigate that burr and the exit because obviously the exit so so important. Apartment buildings, same thing. Uh, really, the apartment buildings—it's all about the NOI, right, and the cap rate, and you know what's the NOI and the value of the of the building after it's been stabilized and renovated. Again. Uh, is something we've um, really honed our expertise on. Given the fact we've been doing it so long, it's 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 almost I don't want to sound pompous, but we've almost perfected our our burr strategy in that market center. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. But I think a lot of people I, I, they miss the mark. So what is it? What are the red flags, or where do you think? Um, where do you think they go wrong when they're running their numbers? Because a lot of times they'll say, okay, we're going to do a burr and it's going to be hundred percent burr, maybe, you know, 95 where they can maybe have five or 10% left in the deal. But then when they're done the project and then they go to refi, they miss the mark somehow. And so what do you think is the primary reason that they, they do miss the mark? So what should people look out for? Every step of the burr is super important, right? If, if, and again, back to the numbers, if you're buying something and you're overpaying, problem number one. Problem number two, uh, obviously, you're, you you got to put together a pretty sound construction budget. If your construction, if you're at, you know, you're thinking you're going to be a hundred grand in the de- in construction, and your construction goes to one hundred and seventy grand, that's going to affect the exit. And then, obviously, what are you forecasting for your after repair value? And how you getting that number is again super important. You mess up that number again, the outcome is not going to be very positive because you're going to end up leaving a lot of money in the project, which again is not the point of the burr. So I try to educate people that you know contact me and whatnot, and just explain to them like, guys, every step is important. So if you don't know what you're doing, find out fast. And or hire a coach, hire a mentor, you know, work with a joint venture partner, work with a professional company like ours. You know, even if you do one or two with, with you know, a company uh, and then, you, you know, you're like a sponge and you take as much as you can learn and then maybe the second or third one do on your own. But every step of the way in that process is important. Yeah, I would definitely agree with all of that. You. Um... You kind of mentioned, you know, the construction costs and you also mentioned the ARV. And when I was flipping, the number one thing that when I was teaching people about flipping, the number one thing is I'd tell them, look, if you have if you run your numbers and you have a $40,000 profit, and then let's say you go over budget on your construction costs by 20,000 and your ARV, you miss the mark by 20,000. Well, now there's no profit and you've just put, you know, six, eight months of work into a property. Uh, for free because you're not going to make any money on that deal. And that's how easy it can happen. But I think too on burrs, I think, uh, would you say w- with the refis, and this is where you said you have a good relationship and this is where relationships really come into play. I think where um, you have a good relationship with your primary lender, a lot of people, they go, they do a burr and then when they go to refi, the bank 
doesn't refi it at the same price because they're more conservative on the refis than they are when you're just selling it. Typically a refi will be less than market value. So how do you overcome that or how do you compensate for that on your on your numbers? Um, very good point. Very good point. And again, it really comes with a ton of experience. Um, you know, from for myself, yes, I have a very solid relationship with even the appraisers from our primary lender that we use. And they know the quality of our work. They know the quality of renovations. Um, and for us too, we have the luxury that we're doing so many burrs that typically at least once a month, most often than not, it's twice a month, but bare minimum once a month, we're in a project that we're refinancing. So I'm able to tell our joint venture partners when we're looking at a potential deal, I'm able to tell them, hey, you know, we're in, we're almost in May now, but I can tell them, Hey, at the end of March, for example, we just, you know, refinanced this project and these were the numbers. So our statistics are, are very fresh um, as opposed to saying, Hey, well, you know what? Um, uh, last summer we did a burr and this is how the numbers turned out. That's great. But those, those numbers don't exist anymore. So being in the, being in that space, very uh, often with very often refis, like I said, one, two a month, it's fresh data. It's fresh data. So we can use that data and run our numbers. Again, there's, there's no guarantee. Obviously, if the market takes a shift, I can't, I can't control that, but I can give you the data that's as fresh as fresh can be. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's definitely a benefit that you have over uh, somebody who's doing one a year say, but okay. So let's say, uh, let's say you're doing a burr. What is the, what is the, what is the biggest challenge that you have doing a burr to make it successful? Construction. The construction is <laughs> always a big challenge because obviously you're on a budget, you're on a timeline. Um, you know, uh, things could go wrong. Things could go wrong with respect to the scope of work. Thing, you know, you open up a wall and it structurally is a disaster. Meanwhile, it didn't, didn't appear like that, you know, behind closed walls. So the construction always is a challenge. And that's the reason why we brought in, you know, in-house construction. So we could at least control that a lot better than just hiring, you know, a contractor that's got, you know, 30 other jobs on the go and really doesn't care. Um, having our own people uh, involved really mitigates that risk. Um, but construction is always a challenge. Um, it's probably the biggest challenge really that could go wrong. If you're, if you have a knack for and, and information about the numbers, about where the market is right now, comparables, cap rates, yada, 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 that, you know, give or take, it, it's just math at the end of the day. Um, but the construction could go, especially if you're on your own. And let's say you say, ah, no, I don't, I don't want a joint venture. I don't want a partner. I don't need a coach. I don't need a mentor or whatever the case may be. And you're involved in this $150,000 rental, things go sideways. It could really, really stink. Yeah. And that's where your network comes into play for sure. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I've encountered those construction issues, so I know how it can derail you both with money and time uh, and stress <laughs> and stress. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> so how do you how do you mitigate that? Like when you're running the numbers, how do you um, because there we is put a little buffer in, but again, we have the luxury that these are our people, right? So if we're running behind schedule, I can get everybody in this. I can put you know 12, 13 guys in one house. Let's just you know we're behind schedule. I need you ten guys in there and just crush it. Right. Um, we have that luxury as opposed to, you know, trying to get a hold of, you know, Tony, who's not answering your call and he hasn't been to the site in three weeks. And it's like, where are you? And when are you coming back? And this and that. Those days are way, that's how I started, right? Because I didn't have any contacts. I didn't have any knowledge. I didn't have anybody. But obviously, 11 years in the making, we've built a power team of construction, property management, preferred brokers, preferred lawyers, preferred insurance agents. These are all things that come, you know, with 11 years in the making. And now we're, you know, we're a reputable company um, doing business in this space. So what would you, um, what would you tell your former self? If you could go back and talk to Adrian 10 years ago, what what would you say? What is the piece of advice you would give yourself? I would say I would have hired, if I could go back, I could have probably left the police department, you know, five years sooner and accelerated my career and my business um, a lot more had I had a mentor or coach. Because I was literally, when I started, flying by the seat of my pants and I didn't even know I was so entrenched in policing. I didn't even know real estate coaches existed or investment coaches existed back then. It was just kind of like, okay, I'm on my own. I'll just figure this out and, you know, I'll make it happen. And I did make it happen, but I probably could have saved a lot of time and money by hiring the proper professional to be in my corner. I love how you say that. It's not just time, but it's money too, because the mistakes you make cost you money. So if you're able to, you know, hire a coach and have a mentor, not only to accelerate your business and make more money faster and get your money back faster, but also to save from doing those costly mistakes, I think, um, is also a way that the, the coaching pays itself off and pays for itself. So have you gotten coaching since? I do have a, I still have a business coach. I've been working with a business coach now pretty much for the last three years. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that's, that's helped me scale my business um, as well. Um, since I was kind of my business, I retired in 2017. And then, you know, it started to go well, but then I kind of plateaued shortly thereafter where, you know, and then working with a, a coach, uh, took me to the next level where you kind of plateau and then it's just kind of like new ideas, suggestions, someone looking from the outside in, giving you the right advice could definitely accelerate um, your career or whatever project you're working on, your goals, essentially. So does somebody that, that's um, in real estate, so they understand your business or is it just a business coach? No, it's a real estate coach. Real estate. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I also love like we do outgrow coaches too. I think uh, we go through phases where, you know, we'll, we'll get coaching. Cause I've done this. I've gone through multiple coaches as well, where you, you get a coach and then they learn, they get you unstuck, they get you moving and then you're off and then you might go into a different space and then you need somebody else. 
Um, and so it's always, always very fluid and moving. But if you could go back to when you first started investing and you had a $200,000 HELOC, would you take some of that money instead of putting it in a property and put it into coaching? If I could go back, yeah, I really would. I'm really sincere about that because I really think it would, it would have helped me accelerate and, um, you know, probably not, let's, let's call it spade a spade. I made mistakes, right? Um, in the 11 years, I made mistakes, you know, and it wasn't all roses, you know, hired the wrong contractor, lost $30,000 and, and whatnot. Um, and probably should, should have pulled the trigger on some properties that I never did because I had the analysis paralysis and, you know, and not enough knowledge to make, uh, make me feel comfortable. But I had, I had the coach who had that experience probably would have said to me, what are you doing? That's a great deal. Pull the trigger or, 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 you know, whatever situation it was. So no, I, I can't stress enough that um, it's money well spent. It really, really is. And so if there's anybody out there who's in the same position that you're in, you were in where, you know, they have a career, they're successful, they're comfortable. They're like hmm, looking to the future and going, well, I don't know if my pension will be enough. I'd love to supplement that. And, and everybody, you know, kind of thinks and dreams a little bit about real estate. There's always an attraction there. What would you tell them if they're on the fence and they kind of like wanting to do it, but not doing it? Stop. Stop overanalyzing. <laughs> stop uh, kicking tires. Stop the analysis paralysis. If all the start, you know, it, you can only do so much and then you got to take action. You really, really do. You just got to do it. And, you know, I always look back and I tell people that, you know, contact me. You know, at the end of the day, you're buying bricks and mortar, right? You're not buying a stock and it's going to go belly up and you've got nothing left. You're buying bricks and mortar. And you know what? If you're in real estate long term and your mindset is long term wealth, you can't lose. Hold on to the asset. You still have cash flow. Hold on to the asset. And, you know, when the time is right, if you want to sell, sell it. But, you know, the, again, another beauty of the burr is... When you're pulling all this money out, it's tax-free. You're not paying capital gains. So, you know, I would say long-term wealth, and that's really where my uh, mindset is, long-term wealth, you're buying bricks and mortar. Like, what's the worst case? So, yeah, the market takes a shift. Okay, ride the wave. You still have cash flow. We don't get involved in properties that don't cash flow. So for me, I still have that nest egg. I have that cash flow. Even if rates go up a half a point, I'm okay. I'm okay. So yeah. does that answer your question? Oh, absolutely. Take action. That's what I heard. Just take gotta action. Take, you just got to take action. So I love that. Yeah. The, the, um, and, I, and I think that's where a lot of people miss the mark. They, they do just overthink it. Um, at the end of the day, you just make an educated decision to move forward and then go from there. Like I said, in the beginning of the podcast, I think, um, a lot of, a lot of people, um, most investors that I know their first investment property was their worst purchase, but that got them in the game. And that's, what's important. So Adrian, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, because you have a fantastic story and I know you love to get back, share with others, help others kind of get in the game too. How would they reach out to you? 
Absolutely. Um, send me an email, easiest and fastest way, Adrian, A-D-R-I-A-N, at investwithepc.com. Um, and above and beyond that, we're all over social media, um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Just put in my name, Adrian Pinozo, um, and you'll see all the sites and shoot me a message over, over that as well. Um, yeah, if I could, if I could give you one piece of advice or, you, you know, I love to give back. And if you could take one thing from this interview and put it in your toolbox. And I always say to everybody, I came from nothing. I really did. I was, uh, I had a, I had a good job, but like I said, I started with nothing. And if I can do it and build an empire of over 370 units, you can. You really can. And I come from zero business background. Never took a course in business. Zero. Just um, I was a police officer for 21 years. That's an incredible story. So 69 properties, 371 plus doors. That's roughly how many millions under management? Oh, shoot. <laughs> a few. Quite a few. I would, I would say, yeah, quite. I've never really done that, to be honest. I'm going to guess probably over 50 million, 50, 60 million. You're going to get back to me on that. I'm going to throw that in the show notes in your bio. We need to know how many, uh, how many. Oh yeah, I'll work it out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So for all of you that are listening, if you want to connect with Adrian, again, it's Adrian at investwithepc.com. All his social media links and his email address will be in the show notes. If you want to reach out to him, he's got a great story. He'd love to connect with you, tell you a little bit more about how he got into real estate and how you can too. So with that, Adrian, thank you again so, so much for sharing your story on the podcast, inspiring others to take action. And um, of course, you know, always, always, always a pleasure to have you on and see you again. Um, I look forward to running into you. I'm certain of it in our uh, circles that we travel. But Absolutely. Until, until then, Adrian, love you lots. Thank you for coming on the show. This is Thank Danielle you. signing off for the Let's Get Real Estate podcast, where real people are doing real estate. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast and congratulations on improving your education real estate. Please leave a review only if you felt we provided value as it would really help us if you would leave a five-star review so that we can help reach a broader audience. And don't forget to comment what you enjoyed and tell us what you're looking to learn more about. As always, thanks for your support and we'll see you on the next episode.